Did you know that there are over 45 million slaves in the world today? Actual people, slaves. This is more than at any other time in history, but it does not have to be this way. IJM, who presents The New Activist, is working to end slavery in our lifetime, and we need your help. Would you go to newactivist.is forward slash IJM and put your name on the line? Newactivist.is forward slash IJM. It can be cool right now to be a social entrepreneur or to start something, but the most important first step is doing something that you genuinely care about, like finding the group of people or finding the cause that you genuinely care about, because that's where all the best things are going to flow from. Well, that wisdom comes to you by way of Britt Gilmore, who is our guest this week on The New Activist. My name is Eddie Koffeltz, and it is a privilege to be here with you this week. Everybody who I have told about Britt being on the show has said collectively, oh man, that's awesome. And they are right. Britt is the president of an incredible organization, company, apparel, everything called The Giving Keys. The Giving Keys is based out of LA and I bet you've seen their products around. If you've seen someone wearing a necklace that has a key hanging from it and the key has a word on it like dream, inspire, you may have seen one on Taylor Swift, other people in entertainment industry, maybe your friends have them. That is from The Giving Keys. And Giving Keys is cool because they obviously make these keys and things that people like to wear, but they also employ people who are transitioning out of homelessness to make the jewelry and the accessories. And what's neat is their idea for this this jewelry is to embrace the word that you have on your key and also to to pass it forward. So a lot of people actually get their keys from other people and it's become this really neat way of sort of sharing a part of you and a part of this story. And that is what Britt is going to do with us today. A few notes about this conversation. First, um, you're going to hear someone referenced a few times. Her name is Caitlin. Caitlin is actually the founder of Giving Keys. and She and Britt, of course, work very closely on this work. So there is that note. Also, you may notice that the person conducting the interview is not me. It is actually my friend and colleague, Julie Kilker. She has been a part of the One Campaign, was the digital press secretary for the U.S. Senate, is just a very accomplished person. But also, I really appreciate the perspective that she brings because she asks a whole different set of questions than I would think to ask. Plus, because Britt is in the fashion industry (laughs) and because I'm a person that wears Costco dress shirts, (laughs) I thought it'd be more appropriate that someone who is a little bit more involved with the world of fashion do the questions. So Julie is going to be in conversation with Britt, and I am excited for you to hear this. Well, with that, let's begin the conversation. Here is Julie Kilker in conversation with Britt Gilmore. I guess, could you just tell us a little bit about your personal journey to the Giving Keys? Um, You know, what brought you to the company? Uh, What motivated you to want to work for a company like The Giving Keys? When I was growing up in Michigan, in high school, I had decided that I really wanted to travel internationally. And I went went on a trip to India. And 
just experienced a culture that was so different than mine, experienced firsthand uh, the poverty that existed there. And I came back from that trip and was just so motivated to do something about it. So I was like, mom, we, we need to do something. Let's start a nonprofit. So we started this nonprofit together called Mercy Works. And we were working with, uh, actually my boyfriend at the time, whose mom worked for Ford, she was living in India. And so she was the person on the ground and I was helping raise money through benefit concerts. And we were working to help kids get out of being trafficked. So that was kind of like my first taste of doing something impact driven. And although it was just a short lived kind of experience in my high school days, there was something that got uh, like a seed that just got planted inside of me that I just knew I wanted to be involved in impact work somehow. And towards the end of my senior year of high school, I got really excited about the idea of doing something where fashion and philanthropy were merged. And at that point, like Tom's didn't exist. These other kind of consumer product-based social enterprises didn't exist. Um, but I just, I knew I wanted to do something, whether that was like working in other countries around like policies to protect workers in garment factories or things in that industry. Um, so I just decided to go to fashion school, commit to that industry, learn everything I possibly could wow. um, about what the fashion space was and what that, that industry looked like. And um, that journey like led me to London. I had studied abroad in London. And there's this one really pivotal moment for me where I was riding the train into school, the tube, and <laughs> there was a magazine on the seat next to me. And it was like a, uh, it was like the London Times style magazine. And they had featured Ali Houston, who is Bono's wife, and the company that they had started together called Eden, which was a fashion company that was working in Africa and doing a lot of work around workers' rights, the, the policies around cotton growing, and just this concept of ethical fashion in action, where it was a product selling in the American or kind of like Western market, but they were doing a lot of work on the infrastructure side to make it a very ethical company. And I remember reading this article and crying <laughs> by myself on the train thinking, this is, this is the model. Like this is the vision. I, I didn't know exactly what this could look like, but this company is such a great example and model to me of this kind of vague idea I've had about being in fashion and philanthropy. So that was a really inspirational moment for me. When I came back from London, it was 2006 and I didn't start working at the Giving Keys until 2012. So for those six years, I just spent time getting as many skills as I possibly could. Where do you see this movement going? And like, how can consumers ensure that the products that they're buying are um, either helping someone on the other end or at least not harming them? Well, where I would like to think it's going is that it's just the new normal that all the products that we purchase are not just an economic bottom line, uh, but there's like this whole concept of like a triple bottom line, that there's a social impact, there's an environment, environmental impact, and then there's also the ability to make profit uh, for the companies that are selling these goods or services. But we've been kind of in this whole cause marketing 
wave. And I think it's really beautiful. I think that people after decades of not really having the transparency from companies about what was happening in the supply chains, they started becoming really hungry for that as like bad things got exposed. Like you're looking at Nike and Gap and all the sweatshop scandals in the nineties and the things that really triggered and catalyzed this transparency movement. And my hope is that it's not just something that people use as a selling point, but it just becomes the expectation from the consumer to the, to the business. Right. We're like the, the demand side is so strongly for a certain standard that there's no other choice. Exactly. So specific to the giving keys kind of mission, I know you all have like a dual mission, right? To have this pay it forward, give the key to someone, tell your story. But also it came out of, you know, Caitlin employing a person that was transitioning out of homelessness um, and and having, working at the giving keys being that avenue um, for making that transition. So can you talk a little bit about what you learned about about homelessness and transitioning out of homelessness specifically? Well, I would say one of the most important things I've learned is how frustrating the system is. Mm. So we've walked with a lot of different people that have come in, come from a lot of different um, backgrounds into the experience of homelessness that are trying to get out. And the roadblocks that they face are baffling. The, my empathy and compassion for people fighting to get out of those cycles is just at an all-time high after being in this environment for four and a half years. But then also, I think maybe even more importantly is this idea that homelessness has so many different faces and stories behind it. And I think in American culture, especially we, when we say the word homeless, we imagine somebody that is hasn't showered in a long time, is sleeping on the street corner, probably has some form of addiction or um, mental illness or both. And that's not always the case. So I've really appreciated the, the exposure to what a wide spectrum of experiences um, can lead to homelessness and, and especially the ones that are about uh, like a financial uh, leveling event. Yeah. We're, a lot of us are only so far away from an experience like that. So I think again, that empathy building experience of being able to say, we're not that different from each other. That's great. Can you tell us about a story of a employee that you all have had that was just particularly inspiring to you or just really struck you and moved you? Mm, yeah. So one of the, the things that's really important to us is that we are focusing on the future and what people um, are walking into and not holding them to their past. Like in that regard, one of the most exciting stories to me is um, someone that was on our production team and still is, came to us um, at a really low point in life and had been struggling with addiction, but then came to Chrysalis, which is the nonprofit partner that we work with to help us find candidates for our employment program. And this employee started working with us as a production associate and little by little just stayed committed to the work and the job and even just what was going on with this person personally, really stepping up and, and creating the, the life that they wanted. So over 
the course of three years, this person went from joining our production team at, at a pretty low point in their life to becoming a production coordinator. So this, this person just defied all the odds, stepped into a role of leadership, is now managing like 10 people and helping mentor and coach them. Um, and, and the thing that, my, my favorite thing about that story is that when we set quarterly goals with our team, many of the people on this person's team wrote in their professional development goal, I wanna be like this person. And that is why the work that Giving Keys is doing is so important. Speaking of which, we would like to hear what you're doing. We are working on a few projects here at The New Activist, and we are searching for stories of folks who listen to the show who are doing things in their world and the community to be activists. We'd love to hear your activism story. It does not, by the way, have to be epic. Not all of us are the president of Giving Keys, but all of us are doing something. And maybe it's working an extra shift somewhere to give money to somebody who you know is having a hard time, or maybe you're starting something brand new. You've had a brand new idea. Whatever it is, we would love to hear your story. More details can be found on New Activist Is You. New Activist Is slash You. Back to part two of the conversation between Julie and Brit. What's what's the most difficult thing working in either the issue of homelessness or in kind of the ethical fashion world? What is what is the thing that you wake up and that really challenges you every day? It's really challenging in in our environment. Um, unlike other social enterprises, we're all under one roof and we're. Uh, like our management team and admin team are working side by side with our production team, which is so important to us for the sake of the company culture and just everything that we're about. Um, but I think in that regard, we're just, we're more hands-on with what is going on in the individual lives of each staff member, which is like such a gift and I wouldn't want it any other way. But there are different challenges that challenges that come up like I said, with people trying to navigate the system or with people dealing with some pretty traumatizing and heavy things in their lives. So we, I guess the best way to say it is that we just always feel like we want to be able to do more. And I think that that's when you're in a mission driven company, um, you've got to give it your best and give it everything that you can. And then also just know that other people have to make the choices to keep moving along with you and keep investing um, in their own development and their own growth. And I guess like to put that in a really concise sentence, it's you can fight for people, but they have to want to change. So I think that that, that can be a really hard and, and heartbreaking thing when someone's just not ready for that yet. And you have to let them get to the point where they're ready for that. So can you talk a little bit about how your faith has been a grounding element in the work that you do? Yeah, I think really at the heart of it all is just the truth that there is value in every human life. And when you kind of get caught up in the day-to-day of what's happening in your work, sometimes those like higher truths and higher realities can uh, escape you. And I think getting reconnected to that reality as often as possible is 
a deep motivator for, for me and the work that I do. And just again, yeah, recognizing the, the value of every human life and, and the importance of restoring dignity to people just simply because they're here and they're human. And that means that they matter. On, on a more personal level, you know, you're president of this growing company, you're dealing with the social impact aspect of it, but also growing a business. How do you balance everything with staying sane in your personal life? Yeah. What do you do? I wish my husband was here to help me answer this question. <laughs> um, but I would say this is something that I was really not good at and have been trying to get better at. Um, I, I got married about a year and a half ago. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, and, and prior to us getting married, we dated, we were engaged for four months and dated for eight months before that. And I would say that relationship has been like the number one game changer for me. Um, just having the support and love of my husband, but then also his ability to like lovingly help me put boundaries in my life. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it started with like on Saturdays, me turning my phone off for four hours and just not looking at it. So now Saturdays are like a true, true day of rest. And very few things can interrupt that for me. And it's like a very important practice that I keep. Um, But I think also it's just, you've got to have places to talk about everything that are safe. And I've done a lot of work at like trying to build community outside of the giving keys as well of other people that are either in like similar fields or are managing and running companies um, just to have like that peer to peer support. You you definitely can't go it alone and you've got to find people that will hold you accountable, but will also support you emotionally through all of the highs and lows and, and keep you grounded. So I'm super thankful for, for those people in my life. And, um, I think for a while there in the beginning, I was just thinking I could run at like 150 miles per hour for forever. And you can't, you just have to, if you really want to do the work for the long haul and and be sustained, you just can't approach it that way. Do you have any advice for people who are ready to go out and to make a difference, but they're not sure just where to start? In Caitlin's TED talk about the giving keys, she says towards the end that it can be cool right now to be a social entrepreneur or to start something, but the most important foundational first step is doing something that you genuinely care about, like finding the group of people or finding the cause that you genuinely care about. Cause that's where all the best things are going to flow from. Um, and in that there's a challenge to not approach the work out of a place of ego. And I think that there, that for some, some of us can be like a blurry line at times and yeah, my, my encouragement would be to like find the thing that you, that like either makes you really angry <laughs> or <laughs> makes you want to cry. And, and you don't have to be the person that starts something. And I think that there is a culture right now where rightfully so, I don't think it's a bad thing where founders are really celebrated and they should be for the work that they do. But I think the danger in it is that people can compare themselves to that person that started it or is at the top and not think that what they have to bring the table, bring to the table is 
equally as valuable um, if it isn't a position that is at the top of the organization or the person that started it. So I, I, that would be my other encouragement is to like really sit with and talk with your friends and your community about what type of role based on like your strengths and what value you can bring to an organization and don't get like sucked into the comparison game or feeling like you have to be the person that starts it. Know what you're good at doing and bring that to a cause. Hey, it's Eddie. Sorry to interrupt. As you heard, there was just a little bit of technical noise creeping in and actually Julie's next question got lost, but I thought it was a great question. So uh, what Julie said was in regards to the homeless population, what are next steps that we can take to engage that community well? We really encourage people just to spend time getting to know the people in their neighborhoods that are experiencing homelessness. If there's somebody that you walk by every day, uh, learn their story. Give them five minutes of your time and think that the restoration of dignity through eye contact conversation and storytelling is, is something that we all have the capacity for. And it goes so much further than you think um, for someone who literally can have dozens, hundreds of people overlook them on a daily basis. I think that that's, that's the easiest, that's the, the one that we all can do. But additionally to that, I would say understand um, who the, the service providers are in your community and volunteer time working at a workforce development agency or a kitchen that's providing meals or um, other agencies that are working with people in that population just to stay more connected to it. How would you define activist? I would, I would say it's people that are not okay with the status quo and they channel their passion and their love for people into really meaningful action. And that is exactly what Britt is doing. She is channeling her love for people into something that is very meaningful. And I love this interview for a lot of reasons. Obviously, Britt was very generous with her time and with her story. But I just love that there's yet another great idea in the world that seems almost too simple to work, but it did, right? They create these keys, they put words on the keys, people love the keys, the keys show up in fashion magazines and on famous people and create this really global movement of people wearing and giving away these keys. And at the same time, they are serving people that are transitioning out of homelessness. I love ideas that just seem so simple. And I know it's hard to run a company, but the, the general idea just seems so simple, but it is so meaningful, both for those who wear it, those who give it away, and those who produce it. I'm glad we got to hear another good idea today on the show and grateful for Julie asking wonderful questions and Britt answering them so thoughtfully. If you want to learn more, actually, if you want to buy a key, right? Don't just learn more. Buy a key. Buy one for you. Buy one for a friend. You can go to thegivingkeys.com or you can connect with Britt on Twitter at Britt Gilmore. We are also on social media. We'd love to chat with you there. Our Facebook and Twitter handle are both new activist is. Our music for today's show was composed by The Brilliance, fantastic band. Check out where they are touring and listen to the rest of their music at thebrilliancemusic.com. A quick reminder before we leave, if you would go to New Activist is forward slash IJM, New Activist is IJM and sign that letter. It's great 
I see all the names of all the people who are signing it and am deeply appreciative. It really does matter. Let's get to 100,000. I know we can. And with that, we go back into the world. On behalf of Britt Gilmore, Julie Kilker, the Relevant Podcast Network, and my colleagues at IJM, I am Eddie Koffeltz. Take care, friends. When I look into the face of my enemy, I see my brother, I see my brother. Thank you for listening to the New Activist Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. And for more Relevant Podcast Network shows, check out the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com.